So guys, welcome to the Sunday's Sangha here in Thailand with actually quite a few of us, Laurent and Marcus and myself are all in Thailand. And so it's uh, uh, four in the afternoon here. And uh, for those in the UK, it's probably 10, 11 in the morning, something like that. So uh, we had gotten started talking about the thinking about the Dhamma is is wholesome thoughts. Thinking about things that are not Dhamma are in fact likely to be unwholesome. And so keeping our um, our mind focused around Dhamma and finding Dhamma wherever we go, finding the Dukkha in the path of Dukkha Naroda wherever we go will keep us in a wholesome state much of the time, which is pretty good. <clears throat> and so, as I started to mention, in the um, Satipatthana Sutta itself, in the Majjhima Nikaya number 10, the fourth stage, the Dhamma Nupassana, is done differently than in the Anapanasati Sutta number 118, where in the Anapanasati Sutta, it talks about everything is changing and as it changes it falls apart and then it's belly up dead get over it drop it when when you're finished with it put it down okay so this is the way that uh, it's done in the anapanasati sutta but in the majjhima nikaya number 10 in the satipatthana it talks about it in a sequence of events and the first group there is the hindrances and it lists them each one and in this particular sutta it doesn't wait to the end to talk about dropping them every instance of every hindrance it says this is to be seen and removed this is to be seen and removed and then once the hindrances are removed then the next objects of the mind that we're going to take um and i'm not really sure i don't remember the order but it does have um, the Samdhu Bojana. It does have the Eightfold Noble Path, and it does have actually a long explanation of the Four Noble Truths. And then it also has a paragraph or so about the five aggregates. And surprisingly enough, Paticca Samuppada is not mentioned there. But it does have all of the ingredients of that. And there's also something very interesting, um, an anomaly, and that is, is that there is also another sutta, a Mahasatipatthana sutta in the Dinganakaya, that is the same sutta, except that it has a greatly, greatly expanded portion of the Four Noble Truths. When I hear we go, we can either be in hindrances or we can think about uh, the aggregates, and we can think about the um, uh, the wholesome. We can think about having wholesome thoughts, all of that kind of stuff. But the funny part about the the uh, Paticca Samuppada is is that we should not be giving thoughts to clinging that takes us into suffering. That we 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 work with the wholesome here. And so that's that's probably the reason why Paticca Samuppada in this full-blown version is not one of the things that in this part of the sutta should be talked about because we're going to be working with wholesome things to get your feelings in order, to get your frame of reference straightened out, and all of that kind of stuff is part of the Paticca Samuppada, but there it, it is also in the five aggregates, which is our, which are mentioned and the um, Satipatthana Sutta. So if we look at it from that perspective, then thinking about the Dhamma, looking at the Dhamma, expecting the Dhamma, finding Dhamma wherever you are is a pretty wholesome thing to do. And it's going to be keeping you in a, in a really good state, likely to fall into joy at any moment. But if you're going to trip and fall over instead of trip and fall over into suffering, why don't we trip and fall over into joy? 
we get into the vicinity of the joy and then all of a sudden there it is and so then we can complete the factors of um the first jhana now in some references this is referred to as access concentration but the important point about the access concentration is is that it's free from hindrances now guess what it's actually samadhi of the first jhana which has all of the factors except we don't quite have them all yet but we're certainly ready to do that because we've got the mind predisposed into wholesome states and this is what we want to develop over and over and over and over again that's what the dhamma is all about so let's open this up for discussion veda you have a question Anybody? <laughs> Bunch of Buddhas here. <laughs> Marcus, help me out. <laughs> In terms of questions. I'm yeah, sure. we're, we're... Um, I had I had an image come and go. Um, but it, it's tied in with culture and fiction and all sorts. But uh, did you ever see the old um, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's more the image, than one of them. Yeah, yeah. The 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 one with um, Gene is it Wilder right. or Wilder? Gene Wilder. Yeah, Gene yeah. Wilder. Oh, he played that role um, very well. But uh, when when you were talking about um, coming back to the wholesome and access concentration, everything, and uh, in, instead of falling down flat on your face, it, it reminded me of that scene where um, Willy Wonka is coming out of a chocolate factory and he looks very lame. He's got the cane and uh, his cane gets stuck in the ground. He, he's falling over. He, he breaks into a roll and, you know. Uh-huh. Do you remember that scene? Oh, yeah. So the, there's actually a technical term for it, a pratfall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the pratfall is the intermediate then between a clown and a, st- a comic <laughs> that how much pratfall does the comic do before he becomes a clown <laughs> so um that by the way is some old information from my dad he was in uh, the entertainment business uh so uh at least before i was born in any case uh, yes, that's the whole point of it is, is that there are several places when we are in the vicinity. And if we stay in the vicinity, then the likelihood is, is that it's going to, to happen. So the closer we are in the vicinity of first jhana, the first or of being completely satisfied, or any of the other good things that we have talked about when you're in the vicinity of that then the likelihood of it happening is very high as opposed to being far away from it now that's true in all cases even in the uh the case of the reverse which there's an old story from from my high school days in south carolina in the 1960s they use high school students as drivers for the school buses that might be dangerous. <laughs> and so one of the questions that was commonly asked by the uh, the guy who assigned bus drivers was, OK, here you are on a, um, a curve that's going around a mountain that has a steep slope on the other side. How close to that guard railing can you get your bus and still stay safe? All right. And the answer is, oh, no, you want to stay as far away from that guardrail as is practical. You don't want to get close to it. You want to stay away from it. Well, here in our our case, we want to get right on that guardrail. Because then we may slip slip into some exalted state. And the way to get into that 
is by constantly thinking about the Dhamma. Put the Dhamma into everything. Remember the Dhamma. And so uh, we can actually rehearse about uh, the five aggregates. What is consciousness? Investigate it. Play with it. Figure out what it is that is actually consciousness that you thought were you all along, when in fact it's not. It's a mechanism. And then also start looking at this pile of junk that we carry around, this Sankara, this pile of old dead rubbish, and how we can look at it and decide that we don't need that much of it anymore. And then the big guns, and that is perception, because that's where all the concocting and all of the um, uh, imagination and the same process is done for actual remembering memories as well as creation, as well as uh, imagination, as well as delusion. It all goes through the same mechanism called perception. And how it winds up being either delusional or spot on has to do with the way that we concocted it based upon the Sankaras. And so if we're using more recent Sankaras, then the likelihood is is that we're going to get a closer uh, result of our perceiving what do we perceive. Okay, so actually in this regard, we can say, oh yeah, well, let's start looking at the five aggregates. Let's start playing with them as a toy. Let's spend some time with them. Let's figure out, in fact, that within these five um, aggregates, there is no me there. That me is a concoction of the ingredients that happen when we stir all this stuff up. But individually, the components are um, just like a car. If you took it apart completely and scattered car parts all over the yard, do you have a car anymore? Where's the car? The car may be the only place that car actually exists is in your mind. <laughs> And it's hard to drive around. It may even be hard to put back together again because all of the car parts and all the ways that they were put together, you didn't keep track of when you took it apart. What's the the Greek kind of um, thought experiment on that with the butt? It was an ancient Greek, something similar to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I might have to look it up. I remember um, reading a Rob Berbea book and uh, he also talked about it, that they uh, took the ship apart. And at what, what point is it a ship? What point is it mm -hmm. not a ship? Same with, the, you know, the right. example of the chair and everything. Yeah. There's a Mahayana Sutta about Nagarjuna and Melanda, where they actually took a chariot apart. And where is the chariot? The fact is, is that it's always inside the human mind. Even when it's put together, it's still not a chariot. Ship of Theseus. I uh, I remembered it. I just checked. Aha. Okay. So this is common old wisdom, and yet we need to apply it to ourselves because in our modern society we have decided, basically, most of us, in fact, are are actually programmed into I am the body. Let me fix it up. I want to put some lipstick on and some hair. Put some clothes on put some gold around, put some rings on, going to make me look better because I'm the body. How many of you seen any advertisements about that? <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, much of human society is built around, much of big business is built around the delusion, I am the body. And yet the reality is we've got no control over the body at all. Can you determine your age and make the body look that old? Can you be eternally young? A lot of people don't want to get old, sick and die. But so far, everybody's going to get old. Everybody's going to get sick and everybody's going to die. Can you do all of that happily? Or can you? The only way to know for sure is by practicing a mundane life and make it happy. And if you can have a normal life that's happy, 
full of joy and cheer, full of wholesome thoughts. Then when the going gets tough, then you can handle that too. But if you don't have your mojo going, if you haven't been to the gym, then changing that spare tire on the way home may be a whole lot of work. But if you put your gym time in, then changing that spare tire is a piece of cake. And so we're not really needing those physical muscles because we can always talk somebody else into doing it. The whole point, though, is, is that do we have our own mind together? Can we mentally change the tires that need to be changed? Can we mentally handle getting sick? And so the way that then that we can understand it is, is that, you know something? I am not the body. I'm merely the guest here. Let me do some puttering around and some cleaning up and doing a few things here and there to make the body's life comfortable. But it's on its own. <laughs> I'm just a guest here. And then we can see that that's all of the aggregates are kind of that way that we attach to. We attach, especially through perception, we attach to our views. I mean, look how important opinions are. What's your opinion this? What's your thoughts that? All of this has to do with, we think that our opinions are important. But they're not, and oftentimes they're wrong. <laughs> but they become important to us. The funny part is, is that the more wrong the, the opinions, the more likely we are to cling to it. That if we have opinions that just happen to meet with reality, we say, yeah, I know. But if we hold opinions that don't match with reality, then we say, wait a minute here. Let's go. We got we got to figure this out, you know, and then we get really all attached to it and everything. And so. Um, by looking at our feelings, by looking at the body, by looking at the um, our memory systems and our perception uh, and throwing in consciousness too, through the eye or the lens of the Dhamma will keep us in healthy, wholesome states of mind. And so this, I mean, let's take a poll. How many people would prefer to be in a happy, wholesome uh, state of mind, ready to fall right into bliss and joy, or the ordinary mundane life that you decided to live since childhood? Lori, all right, you, you, you got a vote there. <laughs> yeah, well, we can do that anytime just by remembering to do it. And so we need to develop the skill of remembering to put the mind back into a good place. So instead of saying everything is Dhamma, which is actually correct and it's an important way, another way of saying it is, is that when whatever you comes to mind, if you add Dhamma to it and look at whatever comes to mind through a Dhamma lens, it will become wholesome. So if you're reminiscing about the past and then you wake up and say, aha, I was reminiscing about the past. Uh-huh. What do I want to fix? Is the, is the past good enough the way that it is? Can I bury it again or do I have to put it in a nice coffin first? <laughs> and so paying attention, waking up and seeing what kind of thoughts we have just whenever we can. This is not a, a thing about an always because Westerners will write a rule about, oh, you're supposed to be in a wholesome state of mind all the time. And then you, when you catch shame your back. You. Huh? Shame what? on you. You are supposed yeah, to be shame happy. Shame on you. You're <laughs> supposed to be happy all the time, right? And while we're fussing at ourselves, we certainly are not happy. But when we recognize from the from the Dhamma, uh, the point of view of being friends and nurturing, then when we're not thinking about the Dhamma, we can say, well, let's just go add a teaspoon of sugar here. We got some lemon. Let's act. Let's make some lemonade out of it. 
or as uh, Life of Brian said in the song, always look on the bright side of life. That everything has two sides to it. We often pick it up and look at the, the wrong side of it. And so all we have to do is turn things around, add some Dhamma, add some sugar, recognize that, hey, we can handle this. Then we're on the doorsteps of uh, bliss all the time. Anybody got any questions or any remarks? Cat, I haven't heard from you in a while. No, I'm just uh, pacing up and down. I thought it would be uh, distracting to have my camera on. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of... Uh, Delighting in the Dhamma right now and listening to uh, listening to the nice, you know, wholesome discussion. Um, mm. Nothing really comes to mind. I just really like to hear it, you know, and listen. Me so. too. Me too. <laughs> but I'd also like to listen to you guys. So if anybody's got something to say, Veda, do you have any remarks or anything to say? From the standpoint of association, I see the last couple weeks and months, a lot of breaking cycles and the importance of cycles and um, having more and more um, jhana uh, throughout the day and seeing how everything changes and perception changes and things like that. Mm -hmm. I can see all this in the things you're saying and yeah. Well, everything changes constantly. <laughs> everything is constantly changing which is the way that is viewed in the Anapanasati Sutta and in the Majjhima Nikaya number 10, the uh, Satipatthana Sutta, it actually shows that we've got a choice about the kind of thoughts that we're going to entertain. The direction. And, yeah, and it's a really good idea to start paying attention to the seven factors of enlightenment. That's, that's one of the items in there and is often overlooked. And yet there are several suttas where if a monk is sick, instead of going in there, oh, they're there now, what they do is recite or talk about and give a talk about the seven factors of enlightenment. That in fact, at one point, uh, they, did, they did that with the Buddha. He requested, yeah, let me hear it. The seven factors of enlightenment. Now, um, the seven factors of enlightenment actually have an image, and that is the image of the Buddha sitting on a huge, huge coiled snake with seven heads. Okay, this is a metaphor for the fact that the, the, the seven heads, by the way, are not biting the Buddha. They're arched over the top of his head as protection. Protection from the rain, from the wind, from the spooks, from the uh, alligators, from the uh, Brahmins. He's, he's fully well protected there. And that that seven-headed snake is actually the representation of the seven factors of enlightenment. And so thinking about and mulling over and figuring out what the seven factors of enlightenment are is a very, very wholesome way of spending your time thinking about it, looking at it. And one of the primary ingredients uh, that is actually listed with each one of the factors is unremitting. Now, unremitting doesn't mean all the time. It means that it comes back when you need it. 
Okay. It's not incessant, but it is unremitting. It does not take a, a real break. It's there. It's on standby. And then when you need it, out it pops. That's what makes it an enlightenment factor rather than a skill to become developed. And so in that regard, the seven factors of enlightenment are in fact a different way of looking at the Eightfold Noble Path. Because most of the ingredients that we need are right there listed in order. And that in the Sambojana, the number one item on the list is, guess what? The one that I keep harping on over and over again, and that is unremitting sati. Unremitting, keep waking up and looking at what's going on. Unremitting, recognize that you're alive. Unremitting, waking up into the here now, to come out of our thought process into the other senses of touch, smell, uh, sight, sound, the, the real um, uh, senses that we do have consciousness of. And so, in fact, when we begin to examine consciousness, we want to do it in the senses that are external rather than the internal sense, because that's where we have already gotten lost most of the time anyway, is that we're not conscious of what we're thinking. So let's develop consciousness by being consciously aware that I'm actually listening to something. I'm consciously aware that I'm actually reading something and paying attention to it or whatever. So um, as we develop this issue of unremitting, unremitting sati, then all of the factors become unremitting to wake up and do this little sequence of events, okay? And what's the next item on the list? Unremitting investigation of the states. Unremitting investigation of the state of mind, the content of the mind, how we feel, what the body is doing, is it relaxed, is it safe? Whatever it is, we actually investigate that, the whole Satipatthana. Yes, Kat, you got a question? Yeah, I was wondering, can you uh, go uh, uh, define like what the difference is uh, between sati and mindfulness in, um, because I just want to understand mindfulness isn't just the knowing, mindfulness is like the, the ability to be. Mindfulness is a word that was invented by people who didn't know what they were reading in the suttas. Mindfulness is an English language word. If you understand it from that, then we can go back to the Pali and look at what's really there, which is this issue of sati, the waking, wake, wake up, become alert, be, go back into your senses, become conscious of your surroundings, etc., like that, waking up. It's like the kid who is uh, sitting in the back of the class and looking out the window and daydreaming and the teacher sees him doing that and she says, Johnny, and that's Sati. She hit him, she anchored him, she got his attention, okay? So that's another way of saying it, getting your attention. So now what are you gonna pay attention to? Well, we're gonna pay attention to the stuff that we've been talking about. We're going to pay attention to the body. We're going to pay attention to the breathing. We're going to pay attention eventually to how we feel about everything. And I mean, right now. So, um, sati, in combination with investigation, would wind up being um, mindfulness. Except that the way that we're talking about it here has real power to it because we know precisely what we're doing. And yet here you are. I mean, how many months have you put into the watts and how many meditation classes and all of that you've done? I mean, you're a really advanced student here, Kat, and you're asking me that basic question, what is mindfulness? And I don't blame you for asking because it's ill-defined. But if we have unremitting waking up and taking a look, 
unremitting. Here's an example of that. We've got some new fighters in the ring. And that uh, the new fighter is there in the ring with, uh, with what's going on. And all of a sudden, uh, somebody rings a bell or has a big blowhorn uh, blow or gets his attention. And he looks to see what that was and he gets hit in the face because he's not paying attention to what's going on. In reality, he got distracted. Oh, Patrick, glad to see you're back. Thank you. <laughs> so we're talking about mindfulness right now, which is kind of an invented word that is a substitute for sati. But in fact, mindfulness has both of the qualities. And not so strong. But if you have unremitting wake up and unremitting look at what's going on and we keep doing that over and over again, you see, this is the Eightfold Noble Path when we're developing it as a skill. The Sambo Jhana is to imagine that you've already got those skills going. Not so much imagination, but appreciate that you've got that skill going may not be quite as unremitting as you like, but here we go. We're building it up. And as you get it built up, it becomes a factor of your enlightenment, a factor of your awakening, each one of these items. So, in fact, you could go so far as to say that the whole awakening process is a matter of putting these seven things in gear and remembering to do that. And the remembering is the first part, is to remember to do it. Remember to look. Now, the next item on the list is both on the Eightfold Noble Path and also here on the Sambojana is when you add unremitting to it, it's no longer effort. But in fact, if I said unremitting effort, you say, oh, no, that's a lot of work. I don't want to do that. And so we slightly change it from unremitting effort into unremitting energy. But it's like when the skill is developed, you're there for it. You really do want to look. You really do want to find the dukkha and the suffering in your mind and get rid of it right now. There's no reason to hang on to it. Let's get it out. And so with that attitude, we've got all of the effort. That's actually the attitude. When you put effort and a bad attitude together, that's effort. If you take effort and put a good attitude to it, it becomes less effort and more energetic so that you've got the mojo to clean house. Especially since you're so good at it and you keep a pretty clean house most of the time, it's really easy just to clean house again. Throw that stuff out. So once we have that, then the fourth item on the list is unremitting pleasure unremitting in the Pali it's both Pitisuka, which is actually a term in the Pali it's used that way in normal language it is actually I think the only place where they're really broken apart is in the jhana as a factor and in the Anapanasati Sutta as uh, instruction but mostly Pitisuka work together so that when you become satisfied you already begin to have uh, the feeling of uh, both satisfaction and success. Yes, Veda, go ahead. Uh, in the last couple of months, um, because of seeing certain interaction between macro and micro cycles, I more and more mostly mostly balanced states immediately because even even the slightest say even the slightest um, deviation from from balance is too unstable mm -hmm. do you do you know what i mean yes i do but in fact one of the things that we can do right now is to incorporate that quality of the cycling the samsara, 
which is actually the result of a Nietzsche, everything is changing. The dominoes kind of spin around. Everything seems to be in cycles. I mean, even in an automobile, most of the going that the automobile does is just spinning. That's all it does. And it's the interaction with the tires and the road that gives it the illusion that it is going someplace. The reality is the car is just doing a whole lot of spinning. With pistons going up and down and rods going here and there and transmissions going this and that and the axles doing this and that and the wheels doing this and that. And it's all just rotation, just spinning. Our whole lives are that way, just spinning around. And we think it's progress. And so the waking up then is the quality of wake up and look at these cycles. Look at which part of the cycle I'm on right now. And then that's the looking part, to wake up and take a look. And then the effort is is to get out of that cycle long enough to take a look at the whole cycle. To put back together the fact that this is a long, it may be a long-term cycle or a very short-term cycle, but this is the cycle that we're in. And the quality of the cycle is, is that part of it I like it and part of it I don't like it. And when we recognize that part of it I like it and part of it I don't like it, but I don't like the fact that it's a cycle, then we can come out of it and recognize, oh, it's just a cycle. And I have a choice about whether I'm going to get caught in it or not. That's then the pity sukha is, wow, take a look at that. I can see that cycle. <laughs> I can see what's going on there. And then getting out of the cycle brings us back to then step four of Anapanasati, which is relaxation, becoming at peace. And so now we've got what? Four, five. We've got unremitting sati, unremitting investigation, unremitting energy, unremitting pitti sukha, and unremitting relaxation that leaves us with the grand two that's left, and that is unremitting organization of the mind that is organized in a way that no matter what instability comes to the mind, the mind will stay stable. So Samati and um, Upeka work hand in hand so that the mind will remain it's, stable. It's actually not as most people who say that they are arhats or stream enters or whatever. <laughs> They just describe them the way I mostly experience it. It's like it's not it's not really it's not really <laughs> it's not really opening up in the sense of some revelation elated feeling. It's it's more that everything stops and then things get clear, completely clear and calm. While we're on the merry-go-round, it's hard to see and we get drunk. We got to get off that merry-go-round and then we can see things really more clearly. That's exactly right. And so remembering to wake up, get off the merry-go-round happily quietly and peacefully and allow the mind to settle down so that you can handle anything. That's the opaca, to be able to handle anything. So simple. Uh, it, it really is kind of simple. The Dhamma is actually quite simple. The steps that we go through have been laid out for centuries and people have been practicing them. So what I would recommend is, is that um, when you've got nothing to do, like waiting in line, or when you intentionally have nothing to do, then you can bring the mind into the Sambhojana and start reflecting upon it. How's my investigation? How's my sati? How's my um, uh, effort? energy where's my mojo do i have the right attitude to be able to do this energetically or is this going to be some effort in other words the mind wants to run away from the uh the sambo jhana rather than being able to work our way through each and every part of it 
or work our way all the way through the uh, uh, the five aggregates. And also, in, in one way or another, to review what kind of hindrance is this that I have now? Classify it. Is this a hindrance that is uh, related to restlessness and worry? Or is this related to wanting something? Or is this related to be uncomfortable and, and wanting things to be different? So what kind of um, hindrance is this? And then we spend all of our time or a lot of our time whenever we remember to do it to come back and consider the Sambojana or the five aggregates or the four noble truths. In fact, the four noble truths and the eightfold noble path and the five aggregates and the uh, seven factors of enlightenment should be, you know, that's a whole session or two or three. And just come back to those factors and start working with them. That's the, the how, and then sometimes insights will occur. Now, um, you use the word revelation. That sounds like a really, really big Christian heavy duty insight. A big dude, okay? Actually, what happens instead is, is that they kind of build up the way that we talk about a revelation is, is that I was wrong, I was wrong, I was always wrong, I kept looking at it wrong, and all of a sudden, big whoop to do, I see it correctly, all glory be, and everything is finished, and now I look at the world completely differently through that insight. That's very, very rare. That, in fact, the most likely time for that to happen is with drugs, but only in the sense that uh, that the taking of that um, drug, masculine or LSD or whatever, we keep remembering that event. And it's the remembering of the event that starts the sati that makes that thing kind of permanently. If we forget all about the fact that I've made a big insight because I took drugs, and count on it that way. And so we can actually do that with uh, with other kind of anchors. Like I do that with Achan Po. I will anchor myself back to a time when he really hit me something hard. <laughs> and and so we we do it that way. But it's still to remind us to come back into this present moment, to be here now. And often we do remember events, revelations that we've had but actually what happens is, is that every time we have that new, same old new insight, we see it again, and we see it again, and we see it again. And sometimes that can be an example of hearing a sutta or a passage that is done in several different religions and maybe in Zen and whatnot like that. And we've heard it and we've heard it and we've heard it. And all of a sudden we hear this again in a new context. And it does seem like a revel revelation. But in fact, we've heard this thing a dozen times before. We're just now looking at it in a new way. I remember Robert saying that that's what happened to him exactly. And so he takes this new passage that he's got to his dad and it doesn't mean a thing to his dad because he hadn't been having that whole sequence of the same insight over and over again. But that's the way that we have to recognize it is, is that we don't want to have one big insight for all time. We want to have that same insight over and over and over and over again and let it seep in, sink in. And in fact, every time that we review the Dhamma, we generally have a new insight to it based upon this particular moment. And so that's the way that you can do it instead of looking for an occasional great big insight. Recognize that they're, no, they, they're common. They come. They come and they go. There is something, there is something beyond those <clears throat> experiences. Um, well, okay, well, let's use the term life-changing. What is a life-changing experience? And why does it change one's life? Can I have a shot at that? Yes, go right ahead. 
usually something to do with self-identity and uh, the insight would be related to anatta, I suppose. Okay. A reframing of the mind where it's no longer um, trapped in a past identity. Right. At one time or another, it could be it's... that we get really sick or close to death or in a near-death experience, like... a really dangerous place. That's one of the things that has a life-changing kind of situation to it. Go ahead, Rita. It's like I, it's it's like I don't, I don't really remember my life like I used to remember it. It's like it, it's like being multiple persons. One person is just experiencing now. And then there is this this copy that experiences something completely different. And then there is comparison between the two and it's just mm -hmm. both both dissolve, like both are completely meaningless. Well, in a way, we're all like Sybil. Do you know what I mean by Sybil? Sybil is a, a word from Greek language that give, that's given to people in modern times that have a multiple personality. And generally, they add the word disorder. Okay. Guess what? We're all a crowd. We are all inside. Inside. Sometimes we want to go. Sometimes we want to stay. Sometimes we want to go up. Sometimes we want to go down. Sometimes we have multicolored different. Uh, I want four different things, all of which conflict with each other. Now, I don't know what to do, and I'm confused. And in fact, the state of confusion is the state of having multiple personalities that are conf conflicting with one another. And so the whole quality then of the Sambojana is to come into the state. We unremittingly keep coming back to the state of that unity, the unification, that you're just one person, that you don't, you're not a crowd and you don't have conflicts. Exactly, yeah. It's, you it's don't just, fuss it's it like, yourself. It's like the process of, of a unification that that's not even, I don't know how to describe that. Because Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of what we're talking about down deep inside is indescribable. We just can talk around it and dance around it, but the reality is you said it's indescribable. Reality is we speak in metaphors. Mm -hmm. That's why we speak in metaphors is when we start taking the metaphors literal, that's when we get into trouble. Because <laughs> it's all just conceptualizations. And the whole point is, how can we talk in concepts to teach people to come out of concepts <laughs> and come into the reality of the moment? Yeah, in fact, the attachments for greed, ill will, and delusion, 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 delusion. Mm -hmm. It's all where right. all this confusion attaches to. And so reorienting ourselves so that we're actually intending to have wholesome thoughts about how the mind works, about the five aggregates, about the seven factors of enlightenment. Having those kind of thoughts and mulling that over will have one brand new same old insight after another. And we go around saying, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, it's just like I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what we can talk about that we got started in this talk is the repetition. That in fact, if we're caught in cycles anyway, why not build some wholesome cycles? Let's have some wholesome cycles. And so we can keep the mind focused on 
these items that are part of the, the teachings of the Buddha because they're always wholesome. And not only that, but using them can wholesome up any situation we find ourselves in. And so that's what we recommend, highly recommend intentionally thinking about how nice things are, intentionally thinking about, I can remember, I can look, I can do this, easy, easy peasy, I can get the benefit from it, and I can feel really good, then I can feel relaxed, then I can feel really, really laid back. <laughs> And so just repeating that little sequence over and over again in the mind, that's that uh, uh, Sambo Jhana that is that big snake kind of statue. It's very common. I would say that it's, um, in fact, it's one of the days of the week. Do you know which day of the week it is at the what, uh, Marcus? Um, no, you mean in the Thai language? Yeah, in Thai language, they have seven statues based upon the days of the week, and people will also do their uh, their shaking of the sticks and all of that kind of stuff. They'll have oh, seven. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to guess it's the big one, uh, one Parahatsabodhi, because that's Jupiter, and Jupiter is the big one. I'm guessing. I know no, it's related I think, to planets as well in the. Thai I think language. this is. I think this is Wednesday. I think it's yeah, Friday. Yes, one Parahatsabodhi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Um, think about that often because that's what we're practicing. Think about it, look at it, investigate it. Then, in fact, these are the wholesome things that we would do if we were doing it directly in jhana rather than walking around. But when we're walking around, let's have wholesome thoughts. Let's think about how things are that way. afternoon sun only in january does this happen the rest of the year it doesn't happen so now i'm almost blinded i can't see the screen <laughs> laurent do you have any uh things to add any comments uh, not necessarily any questions but uh, I feel like I'm I'm going through what you what you're saying, so it's uh, it's good good to hear again and, uh, mm -hmm. to, to keep applying. You know, it feels like um, every time um, I apply the wholesome thoughts and the practice, gets a bit clearer. Sometimes I get a bit more insight, and uh, so it kind of it's kind of like a progress in a way. Um, but yeah, it's never perfect. Sometimes then I forget. And uh, we're not looking for perfection. Them. We're yeah. looking for joy in imperfection. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. You know, one thing about what count Tom is, is that have you noticed how many signs there are? Most of them are in Thai language, but the whole place is just loaded down with signs. A lot of watts are yeah. like that, that there's Dhamma everywhere, little quotations and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that's what we're talking about in today's talk is to immerse yourself in the Dhamma. Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel when I when I don't uh, go for distractions too, uh, that helps uh, to build the momentum even mm -hmm. more. So if I don't, uh, you know, watch uh, TV shows or don't, uh, you know, uh, go into something that uh, comes from craving, uh, that I would that would that I would usually do to avoid you know maybe some bad feeling or to to get uh, instant pleasure. Then uh, it's also beneficial to to the practice. To Absolutely. Practice. All right. So we've got a testimonial here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a it's a working system. Veda, you got your hand up. Uh <laughs> I was, I was just checking. Yeah, it doesn't show. Uh, hopefully, it goes down now. No, I, I don't really have anything to add to this. I mean, 
for me, mostly these days, it's just uh, keeping the keeping the uh, the system working mostly for all the things. If you have to do something, that's that's probably and and uh, the transition between uh, relax uh, relaxation in the in the mundane sense and mm -hmm. and and the rest of the of the day. Yes, that's right. Just wherever we're going, let us say living the mundane life, but paying attention to the seven factors of enlightenment, the uh, Eightfold Noble Path, the Four Noble Truths, the Five Aggregates. These are things that we can focus on as uh, this is the kind of stuff I'm going to be thinking about when I'm waiting in line or waiting for a meal or many kinds of waiting times when you've got nothing better to do. This is where we go to. This is the go-to place of wholesomeness is back to the Dhamma. There's nothing really else that's that's there anymore, you know? I mean, what... We start uh, to care about matter. that. Exactly. We don't care about that old world anymore because we know that our happiness doesn't come from the world. Oh, boundless joy to find at last there is no happiness in this old world. And so paying attention to that old world is only useful when we add a whole big dollop of Dhamma to it. To recognize that on the news, if you're watching the news, that this is more than likely not 100% correct, that they're going to bend this and twist this into whatever attitude that they have there. That that's how the world works. And then we can enjoy the show rather than believe what they have to say. So don't believe anything that's said on the news. That even if, and some will say, oh, well, you've got to check it and re-verify it. Well, yes, you can check it and re-verify it in your confirmation bias seven times and ignore 14 times when there was a, a dispute about it. And so just leaving ourselves to the point that, hey, we don't know. We don't really know what's going on out there. What we do know, though, is, is that I can stay wholesome and healthy and happy right here, right now, no matter what the old world is doing, no matter what lies are being spun in the moment. You're okay. <laughs> Vader, you're all right. You're okay already. I know. <laughs> all right. So does anybody else have any comments? Yeah, I got Patrick. my I got my tied days of the week wrong. It um, Thursday is when Parahatsavadi, and yeah, Wednesday is when Put and Put one Buddha, put. you know. Okay. Put, put same kind of word. Patrick, do you have anything to add? Okay. How about you, Kat? You got anything to add? And Marcel is here. Either one of you have something to say? I do not. No. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Laurie, how about you? Do you have anything to add? Just would like to thank you. I've been learning a lot from this talk and other videos that you've been watching. And for now, I'd just like to thank you. Oh, okay. Thank the Buddha. This is all his stuff. This is this is not mine. I'm I'm just a mouthpiece. <laughs> so we'll see you all later. I'm really glad to see you today. This has been a good talk. This is, in fact, it's, been a, much, it's yeah. been a really valuable talk, I think, uh, because we never thought that we had a choice about what we're actually going to spend our time with throughout today. Let's do something hopeful. Okay. Enjoy. Enjoy.
Enjoy your life. Enjoy. Yeah. All best. <laughs>